Hey everyone, I hope you all had a great week. I know we're nearing the end of the semester and that's very exciting. It's exciting to reflect on everything we've learned. In the beginning of the semester, we read March Book One by John Lewis, which influenced the direction of this course tremendously. From talking about my own personal experiences in this country in regards to my grandparents and parents' personal experiences, it's interesting to explore what others have endured in the past and present. And I hope throughout this podcast, you can join me on my reflection of America, how it works, and my work in this course that involved growth. I hope that you learn something new as I try to cover a little bit of everything. And honestly, I just want you to sit back and enjoy going on this journey with me. Hope to see you next time on my final podcast. Thank you. Hello. Per usual, I hope you had a great week and I'd like to thank you for tuning back into my podcast. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you back to the podcast that covers a little of everything. A lot about what I learned in writing Critical Inquiry of Humanities, but a little extra that I learned along the way that helped change the way I think and understand what goes on around me. And honestly, as a newly legal-age citizen, you know, I'm legal, I'm 18 now, it's more than important to know that what I want matters and how to make it happen how I can affect the future, and how who I want and what I support makes an influential change for the better or worse. So we're just going to, you know, rewind a little back to the beginning of the first semester and talk about my first and final autobiographical narrative. In this piece, I was able to talk about how being the first of my family's second generation was important to me. Basically, like many others in my boat, like probably some of the viewers listening to me, my parents and grandparents worked very hard in this country from the bottom up to give me everything that I have. They worked hard to ensure that I would have a footstep indoors that they possibly couldn't have when they first came here. And while writing this piece, I really had to think back on a specific memory where it all connected, where I was more than well aware of my privilege. I come from a middle-class family, and I'm an only child, so more times than not, I was always able to get anything I wanted, whether this being opportunities, materialistic things, you know, my parents made it happen. And with this came an age where I was able to learn how to step back and reflect on everything I have and count my blessings. And this is something that I recommend for everyone. I think it's important because with this realization comes a comparison with others, a comparison to the unjust that some kids and people have had to endure in America. And this is something that can be seen throughout history. Specifically throughout the semester, I focused on issues regarding people of color, police abuse, and the way officers across the nation may think And even propaganda that was used in the past and is still used in the present. Propaganda in American history has usually been used to express American social issues. Through this imagery tool, leaders and politicians are are able to persuade the public or influence their opinions by telling them what they want. As seen several times throughout history, the Black Codes, COVID-19, and even the 2020 presidential elections, there is always a strong push 
aimed towards society, a pushback in regards to protests, justice, and leadership. Clear enough to suggest that the public, especially people of color, are getting bribed by politicians and government officials. Although I touched briefly on it, Black codes were restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of African Americans. They were basically there to ensure their availability as a cheap labor force after slavery was abolished during the Civil War. So basically, it was as if America was giving people of color just enough freedom. A little bit of freedom. Enough to keep them happy because after all, they were just enslaved, right? Ridiculous. But these laws required blacks to sign yearly labor contracts, and if they refused, they risked being arrested, fined, or forced into unpaid labor. So it was a trap. Like seen recently, there are traps implemented in America's system that support systematic racism, that support cruelty and injustice, that push against Black Lives Matter a political and social movement advocating for nonviolent civil disobedience and protests. These protests are against incidents of police brutality and all racially motivated violences against black people. The article, What is Systematic Racism? by Caitlin O'Kane states that it is not only something it is not only something that is a part of American culture, but also plays a key role in societies across the world. She explains that in the United States, Africans Americans contribute to 13% of the population, but equate 37% of drug-related arrests and 56% of inmates incarcerated related to drugs. New York City alone is populated with 50% of people being of people of color, but Latinos and Blacks make up over 80% of NYPD stops. Which is why it was important for me to talk about police brutality in both my synthesis and interview in this class. For my interview, I had the pleasure of interviewing a family friend who is a retired officer. He worked in New York City all his life and was able to confirm that there is a prejudice in regards to people of color in specific areas. The articles say their names, the list of people injured or killed in officer-involved incidents are still growing solidifies the importance of these protests and riots for civil equality. The article states that it is important to continue to put the spotlight on those who lost their lives at the hands of police brutality and give respect to those who are no longer with us. The fight provides, excuse me, the fight proves to those responsible for those violent crimes against humanity, that they should be punished and should not be allowed to continue their lives as if they are not responsible for what they did. The article explains that there are a number of cases that go unrecorded, and this allows police officers and others to justify their actions just because of the fact that they are not held accountable for their actions. In regards to the global pandemic that took over the world about a year ago, Yep, that's right. We are about to celebrate COVID-19's first birthday. It's almost been a year. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, there is a connection as people of color face a death rate that is 2.8 times higher than any other race. This may be due to the lack of health care, 
But Lawrence Gostin, a professor of global health law at Georgetown University, decided to put his input in it as he explains, the reason is both because of historical structural racism that's resulted in grossly unequal health outcomes for all kinds of disease, and because COVID-19 has so disproportionately impacted the lives of colored people. So basically, research increasingly shows that racial and ethnic minorities are disproportionately affected by coronavirus in the United States. And this can be due to the fact that healthcare is not available for everyone in the United States. It's not obtainable to everyone. And this may be because of the privilege that has always been given to white people. It's just the way the country's built. They're the first to be protected, to be looked after. So not every minority in America has health care. And honestly, it might not be available to all of them. But don't get me started on the presidential 2020 elections, which in fact does play a role in the health care. But this year, we had two ridiculous candidates trying to convince the American people to vote for either one of them by telling us what we wanted to hear. Donald Trump borderline trying to support Black Lives Matter while trying to keep his Confederate followers was beyond me. And in Arizona, a false conspiracy theory emerged that ballots filled out with Sharpie felt tip marker pens handed out the polling places were disqualified, mysteriously only harming Donald Trump. The controversy was quickly named Sharpie Gate, and its bias is not true. The Arizona public explained this and cleared this up entirely. But with this being said, Donald Trump out of presidential out of presidency does not mean that Joe Biden is our savior. But that's a conversation for another day, huh? All in all, this course did a great job of opening up my mind to new things and what is going on around me. I hope this segment you learn just a little bit more with me. Because, I mean, after all, there's always something new to learn, right? So I hope to catch you guys next time when you tune in next week. And I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy the weather. Bye.